What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, I'm excited to be back with you, my friends, and it's right on time because we got a lot to talk about. I've got updates from Springfield. We talking about big weed fail and social equity, and the homie Justin Fields is running the show, even in the losses. Helping me break all that down and more is WTTW's Amanda Vinicky and one half of Axio Chicago, Justin Kaufman. It's Friday, November 18th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Amanda, Justin, I know y'all was expecting lead producer Carrie Shepard this morning, but your boy is back in the booth. Welcome to CityCast Chicago again for the, I don't know, a thousandth time apiece. This is like when Josh Allen, you're like, I don't think he's gonna, I don't think he's gonna play today. I think he's gonna be the backup, and then right at the last minute, Josh Allen's on the field. That's pretty great. My elbow's fine, y'all. I'm here. I'm ready to go. I didn't <laughs> miss too many episodes. Amanda, welcome back. Glad to be on with you, Jacob. <laughs> um, I want to start off by getting some advice particularly for the people who are considering moving to Chicago, who just moved to Chicago, or even after some years here, they still don't feel completely a part of the family, right? So I'm talking about those Chicago transplants. Amanda, what's your piece of advice for Chicago transplant? Uh, Well, seeing as we had our first real snow of the season, I would say that anybody who comes here, you need to invest in really good socks and really good boots. That is some advice. It will make your life so much better. It's okay. You can still take walks in the winter. Get that vitamin D. Wave hi to your neighbors. Go to cute little coffee shops. Meet friends, people. Warm yourself from the inside out. But when you get there, be layered up. It is going to make you in like good, warm Mm -hmm. socks. Get some of those. I have an entire drawer of wigwams. They're Wisconsin made. They are delightful. They are thick. Do it. Justin, if you had a piece of advice for, you know, Chicago transplants, folks considering moving here, what would be your advice? Well, number one, jag off is not a swear word. That's number one. That's the first thing you should. Number two, I would avoid Wrigleyville. There's nothing going on in Wrigleyville. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're moving to Chicago from like a Big Ten school, everyone's going to say, oh, you got to live by Wrigley. It's so great. They got bars. And no, don't. It's it's going to waste two years, precious years and of your life. They're giving you that advice. They're old. Yeah, they're old. <laughs> Just don't do that. That's usually what happens is you're like, oh, I got a great apartment with three friends on Wilton or some weird street <laughs> like that. And you're like, no, don't skip skip that and go and, and look at Logan Square, look at uh Bridgeport's a great neighborhood, uh areas around that are that are that are as cheap as Wrigleyville, but but don't have the lines around the block. And that's my third piece of advice. Don't go to a bar that has a line out in front. Let's jump 
into looking back on some of the stories from the week. Amanda, I want to start with you. You are always the person I call when I need to talk big picture, big Illinois, what's going on? Because you know me. I think it's Illinois, Chicago. I think Chicago, the state. But you remind me that's not the case every time you come on. Uh, catch me up with what's going on uh, in state politics. So state politics, I'm actually coming to you from Springfield, where the first half of a two-week veto session ended, to be honest, pretty lackluster, didn't deal with anything. And I I think part of that, however, coincides with what I'm going to say is the big news. And partial reason that nothing happened is because there weren't any vetoes to deal with, because Democrats control everything. And so when you have Democratic supermajorities in the legislature, passing bills, it's not really a big surprise when the Democratic governor agrees with them Mm -hmm. instead of rejecting them. But what I think the story is, is just, again, still kind of coming off from the election as we're continuing to see results come in and just votes tallied is the change that has shown that no pockets of the suburbs we thought were maybe still a little Republican. Nope. What what are some of those places? Because like, you know, Illinois is used to a supermajority, but like it was the the losses and, and the way the GOP went out um that, that was a bit of the shocker for some folks. Exactly. I think DuPage is really uh, the big one where for the first time you're gonna have a chair of DuPage County board who is a Democrat. Also a the first woman, by the way, but uh is that's a significant change. I mean, DuPage had been the Republican bastion Mm -hmm. and not anymore. You also have uh, there had been a lot of uh, stories uh, about, you know, Madigan securing super majorities in the Illinois House. Oh, wait, there's an even bigger historic Mm -hmm. super majority now. I I mean, just the amount of Democratic dominance. And so with that, we did have change in Republican leadership. And really, from my perspective, the big players in Illinois politics, particularly at the state level, are obviously the governor and then the legislative leaders. It's kind of a lame little nickname, but they're known as the four tops. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, <laughs> but, but they you have obviously the House Speaker, the president of the Senate. Those are both Democrats. They have been for quite some time, but you have had changeover in Republican leadership. And I, I think that is a sign of dissatisfaction from within the party. I appreciate you for for how you walk us through that. Do you think post-election we have a better sense of what Illinois' GOP looks like? Because, again, over the last couple of years, you know, Illinois politicians have kind of run, or particularly Illinois GOP candidates have run the gamut. You got folks like Adam Kinzinger who was like, no, Trump, we're not doing that. We need to pull it back. We need to kind of kind of rally things in. And then you have, like, Darren Bailey was the, the gubernatorial candidate who was very much like putting himself in the position to get that type of a a Trump endorsement throughout the primary and even kind of leading into the general. Do we have a sense after this election, which side Illinois GOP is, is leaning more towards? If you look at the results of the primary, clearly Republicans are leaning toward Bailey as their standard bearer because wait, he was, I mean, it, it was that more mega conservative leaning, for folks vote in a primary. And that's where things really, I think, are sort of hard to detect. You've clearly seen that those sort of far-right candidates cannot succeed in a general election. There's been a lot of pushback from more of the, the moderate factions of the GOP to say, hey, wait a second, 
what are we doing? This isn't working. Yeah. But it's who comes out for a primary? Who's going to identify as a Republican right now in Illinois, where you had President Donald Trump lose twice by uh, something around 17 percentage points? I mean, he so is I think a true identity crisis for the party as they struggle through that. Justin, let's bring it down to the county level. After months of delays, you know, property owners started to get those tax bills. Can you kind of run us through the significance of this? This has really been a, a bad year for Cook County, uh, for Cook County offices like the assessor and and the board of review and and even the treasurer's office. I mean, they, they're obviously involved in, in getting property taxes to people, property tax bills. Uh, it has been delayed. They, they said it was reportedly because of a, a, a technolo- uh, technology problem mm-hmm. where Changing the assessor's software. office changed their software and the board of review didn't. And that that made uh, all of our bills late. We're supposed to get our bills in August. And uh, they just announced that we got our bill uh, this week. And people who were able to go online got a little bit of sticker shock. Now, that goes up and down. It depends. You know, it's not a, it's not a one size fits all when it comes to property tax bills. But but the idea was that uh, the property was reassessed for the first time under Fritz Kage, who was first uh, elected in 2018. He finally got to Chicago taxpayers and they said, we're going to reassess downtown properties. We're going to reassess the residential properties. And about and a year said ago, they were everybody being got under, those. Right? He said yeah. they were being undervalued, correct? Yep. And so the burden of property taxes was falling on homeowners. We were we we all got our reassessments about a year ago, and there was a lot of people going, "Whoa, man, uh, my assessment went way up." And when when we asked the at Axios, we asked the assessor, he's like, "Well, that doesn't. I have a new formula. That doesn't mean what it used to mean. Now I got a formula. I got math. I got to carry the one. That kind of stuff. It's a whole <laughs> different thing. We're gonna get those downtown businesses to pay for it, right? That's mm-hmm. gonna be the thing. So that was the whole plan. And then somewhere along the line, it goes to the Cook County Board of Review, which is just famous for its connections to high. Uh, priced, you know, connected, politically connected lawyers, Mike Madigan at Burke, those kind of people who you can bring your clients to them and they say, you know what, you're supposed to pay 10,000, but you you know what, we believe it should only be five. Yeah. Well, they changed, uh, according to Fritz Kage, they changed uh, at the last minute. They said, you know what, we're going to take the burden off of downtown and we're going to put it back into the homeowners because we need to give some tax break to these downtown businesses. One building was valued at like 197 million under Kagi. They dropped it down to like 160 million. The building ended up selling for like double, but they said because of that change in valuation, the owner saved about a million dollars in property taxes. But that's going to be paid by somebody. The, the the problem here is that the Cook County assessor Fritz Kagi ran as a reformer, and he came in saying, "I'm gonna." I, it was right after this big Tribune investigation in 2017 that said, "Okay, we're going to change the way taxes go because these downtown businesses are getting." Exactly what you just said, those kind of breaks. And we got to do that. So everyone, all the voters went out and said, Fritz, Kagi, Fritz, Kagi. And, and then he got reelected this time through. Well, the Board of Review changed the game at the last minute saying, you know what? We're going to put more of the burden on the homeowners. We don't care about Fritz Kagi's new reform. We're doing it the old way. Keep it like it was. <laughs> this is how it, it's worked for years and we're going to do it. And a lot of people today are, are look, put their pin in on Tuesday or Wednesday, the Cook County uh, treasurer's office and saw 30% increases, 40% increases. Ooh. My colleague, Monica Ang, 71% increase in her tax bill, not the value, the, the, the tax bill went up. But I will say this, it's not over. Mm-mm. It's no. not over. Meaning there's two things coming up here. One, there, that fight's going to continue. The board of review and Fritz Kage's office are going to get at each other again, because on December 1st, 
that's when the bill comes to your mailbox. Exactly. And so for a lot of Chicagoans who didn't don't know their pin or didn't go to didn't the go treasurer's online. office, you know, mm-hmm. like they don't go online. They're going to get their bill. They don't listen to CityCast. They don't, like, they don't, they don't read Axios. They're going to look at their bill. They ain't reading Axios. They ain't with us. In the, we, the morning, we the morning latte crew. <laughs> right, right, right. We're looking. Hey, we, we'd love you to come, but, but let's say they don't. They're, there's going to be another uproar. Mm-hmm. And that's going to, so I think that there's going to be, this battle has just begun. I, I think this is going to be a, a nasty political fight from now until the end of the year. This is not the end just because the bills came through. Amanda, I'm going to kick it back to you. Another thing that was on the ballot, I think it was at the top for a lot of people, uh, was a constitutional amendment. Um, Can you break that down? Because we first reported after the election that it had passed, but it hadn't officially, you know, it was at that like 58% mark. But now we've officially kind of passed the, um, you know, labor rights amendment. Can you uh, catch us up, remind us what that is and kind of talk about the significance? Yeah. Well, so it adds to the Bill of Rights protections for the right to collectively bargain and including over um, economic conditions and safety. And so that's one of the pushbacks from critics is what all does that mean? That is a huge term. And so when you have, for example, the Chicago Teachers Union and the Chicago Public Schools going head to head, is that going to give more power to the CTU than they've had before? That's just one example, of course. Mm -hmm. But we don't know how this is going to play out. This was a test case for the nation. We could see other states trying to do something like this unions, the labor movement saying that this was necessary because of the political climate, the changing landscape. We, of course, everyone remembers Governor Bruce Rauner and his attempt to sort of insert right to work provisions in Illinois. Uh, And they say we need this as protection so that Illinois can forever lift up working families and the labor movement and that lifts up wages for everybody. Um, I get critics say, hey, wait a second, by lifting up unions, that is going to add further to your future property tax bills because they are going to have the win when it comes to contract negotiations. They're going to have the the better side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I I hear that all the time. And I I don't necessarily disagree. I don't disagree with that assessment, but that's such a stale argument that critics have. Anytime there's any change in government, they go, well, it's going to affect your taxes. Yeah. Like always like, well, you're going to pay more. It's one of those things you don't have to show your work on to kind of keep up Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's a default. And I also think they should have, to make this uh, uh, more applicable to voters, instead of calling it the Workers' Rights Amendment or Labor Rights or or Amendment 1, they just should have called it the F. Bruce Rauner Bill (laughs) or, or F. Bruce Rauner Amendment. Because this is all this is about, because he tried to go in there and change it. And everyone got all out of sorts and Mike Madigan shut it down. And this is that's how long it takes. Think about Amanda knows it. This is how long it takes to get things to the ballot, especially when you're talking about referendums. This is really about 2017. And this is something that happened at that time that was like, oh, it is. And it is, I think that that'll be the question. Right. We, we don't know. This is untested waters. I do think that that's where yeah. it started. And there's also part of this tactic to motivate your base, something that we, you know, will bring out everybody that is active in their union is something like a constitutional amendment that gives those protections. So there's a lot that goes there. (laughs) 
I love the way that we're bouncing between statewide stories, county, and even citywide stories, because something that kind of started at the top, the state level, is the cannabis lotteries, which we've been hearing about for years now. And the city is giving out, I believe, Black in July and August, another 185. And yet the process, especially here in Chicago, is still rolling out very, very, very slow. Justin, where are we at right now with Big Weed in the go? The premise is so great. I mean, the premise is that the the state of Illinois set out to have the the most socially equitable program in the country. And what that means is is to offer protections, offer loans, make sure there's a route for people, black people, brown people, poor people, people who've been impacted by the ill-fated war on drugs over the last 50 years. Like, let's try and think of this in a way where we're not just pouring money into the big pharma of weed. Yeah, but the problem is that two years later, and what a great idea, but two years later, Big it's the worst of in the country. Wheat and, yeah, they, they, <laughs> that's the only one. So uh, the problem is, is that uh, the reason it's this week's story is that, um, what's the place called? Uh, Ivy Hall. The idea that they're celebrating this being the first uh, social equi- uh, equity applicant to open up a dispensary. I mean, yes, it's a celebration, but it's also an admission of just failure. Yeah. How are we two years into this program and this is the first one? It's because lawsuits held it up because the the laws weren't re- written well, and mm-hmm. and lawsuits got in there and everyone wanted their peace and they they held everything as a stay. The courts were involved, uh, and now you're at the point where you know there there are 200 plus social equity applicants in, in just Chicago that want to open, but there's issues with capital. Uh, the, the pie has gotten sufficiently, uh, uh, you know, like sort of gorged by other, other big, I just said big weed. Big pharma. Right. I mean, think about like they gave because they, they grandfathered in all the people who are in medical marijuana. Exactly. So the people who got a year, they got a year of just head start. Two years. Two years. Right. Two years head start over other people. I think it was, I, 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 and I'm going to get the stat wrong, but it's something like 10, 10 companies own $110 million a month of the profits and none of them are social equity applicants. So you're, you know, like for people who are, who are going to these dispensaries, they've already developed where they want to go. They got one on the corner and it's the relationship. Yeah, exactly. Sunnyside or whatever it might be. And they're like, great. Those are owned by corporations. Those are not owned by black and brown businesses or business people. And the problem is, is that's great that the state wanted to do that, but I don't know how they fix it. And the hopefully they will. Up. The, the state screwed up. up. Mm-hmm. And the idea that we're celebrating cutting ribbons in Wecker Park in 2022 for, for the, the first, first one when there, when there are four, four other around the corner. Yeah, it's not, it's not a great story. And it's a story that I think, looking back, there needs to be more accountability for the people who wrote that law. Uh, I think Governor Pritzker as well has to be accountable for it because mm-hmm. they set up. It wasn't like it wasn't like this was a forced thing on them. The state of Illinois and the Democrats in Illinois were like, we, we're going to do this. We're going to legalize weed, but we're going to do it different to Colorado and Washington, California. We're going to make it socially equitable and we're the best for doing so. And then they messed it up. And because they messed it up, they actually kept black and brown people from the industry. But, man, I want to hit on this really quickly. There are efforts in the state legislature to try and improve things, whether it's a cannabis control commission, whether it's allowing delivery uh, in Chicago or just honestly giving people more opportunity to infuse weed in different types of businesses. Because it's kind of too little, too late. Yeah. And let's be clear, that that's that's our money that's being spent. That That's taxpayer money mm-hmm. that is going back because of what the state messed up in the first place. So um, there are, just as you indicated, opportunities for some of these businesses that because of the 
years-long delay no longer have access to the funding that they once had. Instead, they will be have the opportunity to receive that from the state. But that does not address the years of delay, possibly lost location, change in partners, undue stress. I mean, it really was so <laughs> incredibly messed up. We like to end every single episode of City Cash Chicago with, I hope my voice can do it. Let's see, let's see. It's been a couple of days. <clears throat> Some good news to get the people through the weekend. We want to make sure we give people that events. That was beautiful. Something bright. Oh, thank you so yeah, much, that, man. With that compliment. That's a young Jerry Butler. That's a young Jerry <laughs> Butler right there. He's doing doing uh, impressions in the Seward Park uh, community room. Nice job. Thank it's you. Really thank good. you. Just, I'm going to start with you. What's your some good news to get the people through the rest of the day? When we asked about that earlier, I'm like, I, you know, I really love the show Atlanta. I just want to talk uh, about Atlanta, I, too. I, I feel you. I know. I really do. I know they're like, no, it's not Chicago. But I'm when like, that show was so ATL. creative. <laughs> exactly. It was so creative. And it's and it just ended its series finale. And I was like, I, I wish that, like, we could create a fund, like a like a, like a GoFundMe or something, just to make sure that those guys just keep doing shows because it's so oh, best. But I would say in Chicago, the grand tradition of social media mockery has returned thanks to Elon Musk and <laughs> everything that's happening on Twitter. We're having, you know, this this town is very well known for its, uh, you know, Rahm Emanuel bashing when he was running for mayor. Once we get to municipal elections, that stuff kind of comes out. And right now there is a fake Dorval Carter, uh, the CTA president uh, thing. Uh, that is that is because of because of the way Twitter has just exploded and everyone can do whatever they want now. Uh, <laughs> somebody has has adopted his uh, his name and is is acting as him and responding to people who complain about the trains. I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Amanda, what is your some good news for our city cast fam today? My good news. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Put your <laughs> twist on it. It's I got to admit, this is kind of, I, I think of myself as an optimistic person. I had a hard time thinking of something. <laughs> Maybe as a collective, the media learned some lessons in that we did have um, President, or former President Donald Trump declare a third run for the presidency. And while it was covered, I mean, he's a former president that's running again for the White House. That is news. It wasn't hyperventilating everybody you know every station breaking into coverage at a moment's notice with this breathless sort of attention it was given generally the sort of attention that news like event like that deserved and you you had um a bit of patience in waiting for races that were tight like the constitutional amendment to be called mm -hmm. and it just everybody sort of took a breath in a way that i think is positive thing for the country, for voters, and for journalism at a time that the profession is under siege. We, we're finally kind of taking some of those lessons to heart, it seems, collectively. My, some good news for this week. Uh, it's a little bit loaded because the Bears are three and seven, the last in the division. And after the loss to Detroit Lions last Sunday, our chances of getting into the playoffs went from 3% to 1%. If you ask me, it was it was never higher than five. Uh, but, however, I think our quarterback, Justin Fields, deserves some city cast praise. I mean, he only thrown for over 200 yards one time this season, which, you know, as a franchise quarterback, isn't the greatest thing. But the last few weeks, my man has been absolutely glorious. The Bears have lost three in a row 
But in those games, Fields got a 65% completion percentage, seven passing touchdowns, one interception, four rushing touchdowns, and 385 yards on the ground. A couple weeks ago, he broke Michael Vick's record for the most yards in a single game with 178. You, I don't want to hang out with him. I, I don't He's like awesome. to watch the ball. Screw that. But... I would definitely hang out with the guy. He seems fabulous, smart. He, do, he tight, seems so obsessed with winning all, too. Like all the role model things that uh-huh. you want. This is cool, right. and and he's he's the best. I I think he's the MVP of the league. I mean, obviously Patrick Mahomes and those guys, Josh Allen, those guys are winning and they're winning teams. But when you look at the most valuable player to a team, the Bears are awful without him. And today, y'all have been my light on this show, helping me get reintegrated to the mic after a three days off. I want to thank y'all once again from Axios Chicago, Justin Kaufman, and from WTTW, the person I always call when I need to know what the hell going on in Springfield, the homie Amanda Venicky. Thank y'all for coming back to CityCast Chicago. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a great weekend. Before I let you go, we are one week away from Thanksgiving, and whether you can be with family, your chosen family, or your born family, my hope is you have a wonderful holiday. Uh, But I had to ask the team here at CityCast Chicago, what's y'all favorite Thanksgiving sides, right? We know people talking all about the turkey, but what else y'all got going? Lead producer Carrie Shepard, I know you a vegetarian, so what's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? For my favorite classic Thanksgiving side dish, sweet potatoes with toasted tiny marshmallows on top. Producer Simone Alisea, what's your go-to side dish? My mom makes a stuffing that includes ground lamb and ground pork and plantains and apples, and it is just amazing. Newsletter writer Sydney Madden, what's your favorite? You got to make sure you get get an extra before you even done with your first plate. I really like my grandpa's mac and cheese. Literally 10 out of 10 could be the star of Thanksgiving for me. Producer Meg Dalton, what's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? The one that reminds you of your childhood. I personally love a green bean casserole. And me, I ain't gonna lie, everything be smacking up my mama house. The mac and cheese go up, the greens go up. We got mozzarella, string beans. But me, I'm typically going back for some extra dressing. That cornbread dressing, it just hit with everything. And it got probably the largest shelf life. I'm going to be eating dressing for at least two weeks after Thanksgiving over. I want to make sure I thank the people who make the music we love here at CityCast Chicago. All the kimonos, Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop, and my main man, Sam Thousand. Please, please understand how much we appreciate you for listening to us, for making us a part of your routine, uh, for subscribing to our newsletter, Hey Chicago, at chicago.citycast.fm. I know that y'all are sharing it with your friends and family. I see the people who comment, who review, who share our posts. I'm grateful. If you want to show us an extra little bit of love today, please head over to the Chicago Reader's best of list and nominate CityCast Chicago as the best daily podcast and nominate Hey Chicago as the best daily newsletter in the city. We really appreciate it. I'm going to talk to you on Monday. Peace. Oh, you're not recording? No, that was good. That was for play play. That was for play play. That wasn't even real.